Hey, this is Brandon Sanderson, author of Mistborn. Welcome to the Legendarium. Um, it's really hard to describe sand, interestingly. Um, it's at, rough. It's as, coarse. Of as, as and it gets, gets everywhere. It gets everywhere. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the Legendarium Podcast. We are diving back into Brandon Sanderson's Cosmere. So this should put to rest any weeks or any two weeks worth of fears that have been simmering in the minds of Sanderson fans. Uh, <laughs> don't worry, we are back. But first, uh, I am Craig Hanks, your host, and with me today, he is like a Facebook status update. I might like him, but I rarely agree with him. It's Todd Wenty. You know, that sounds about the right way to say that. <laughs> and you know he's ugly, because every time there's a group photo, someone hands him the camera. It's Ryan Bruckman. <laughs> I've taken to photography to, to hide my my visage. And we're all so happy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, like I said, we are back into Sanderson's Cosmere today. White Sand, the first part of the three-part graphic novel, uh, which was adapted from the unpublished novel uh, that Sanderson gave over to Dynamite Comics. Uh, yeah, we'll be talking about that today. Uh, before we do, there's uh, just a couple regular housekeeping items, items I want to go over. Patreon.com slash Legendarium. Uh, if you have not yet visited that page, go ahead and do so. You can see some of the ro rewards that we're giving and some of the reasons that we're looking for uh, some donations. We do need your help. Uh, I actually sat down last night and budgeted out. Uh, what we're going to do with some of the donations we're getting, and it just made me very, very depressed. We're going to pay taxes is what we're going to do. That's well, there, there is that. We're gonna, yeah, we have to pay taxes. I can't believe that. Uh, but yeah, I mean... Yeah, but it's under Trump, so it's not going to be that big a deal, right? That's right. He's going to get rid of all taxes. We're going to have the best tax system. That's what I hear. <laughs> anyway. Tax breaks are going to be huge. <laughs> uh, anyway, but... Yeah, I'll just say again, patreon.com slash legendarium. You can set up your recurring donations there. If by some for some weird reason you don't want to keep giving us money for, through Patreon, we did have some questions about how do I give a one-time donation. Patreon isn't the best place for that. Well, we do have a PayPal account. Uh, so you, our, our email address on there is thelegendariumpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, so you can use that. Or, I like this one even more, go to our site on any page. At the bottom of any page, there is a link to some Amazon uh, items. If you click on one of those, and then just shop on Amazon. You don't have to buy one of those items. Just get to Amazon through there and buy anything, and we get a small cut of that. And so that's a way to support the podcast while you're doing your regular internet shopping. Don't lie to me. I know you're all on Amazon at least three times a week. Christmas so. <laughs> is coming. All you got to do is click the button first. And exactly. Then be Merry Christmas for us or whatever, you know, you celebrate in December. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Wish I'd have known that last night before I did my Christmas shopping. <laughs> oh, did you really? <laughs> yeah. What's the matter with you? I, uh, that I'm Christmas shopping or that no, I didn't click well, the button first? That you didn't click the button. What's the matter with you? <laughs> all right. Now let's get on to White Sand. I do have a synopsis for this one. You guys ready? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He's not going to give me back synopsis. Nope, nope. Synopsis <laughs> duties have been firmly revoked from Ryan's uh, uh, domain. Uh, I was going to say, I was going to say, tentacular grasp. Wow, tentacular. There's a Scrabble winning word if there is one. Tentacular. <laughs> as, as long as you can get enough T's. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Kenton is a sand wizard on the desert planet of Tatooine. I mean, <laughs> sorry, Taldane. Um, 
Uh, okay, let's start over. Kenton is the privileged but overlooked son of the head sandmaster, a proud order of people who can manipulate sand in spectacular ways. Kenton may be the boss's son, but that doesn't mean he's got the boss's sanding abilities. He has spent years honing his meager skills so that he can pass the admission test to be allowed into the order's upper ranks. After he passes the test in spectacular fashion, he's given a high rank, at which time some bad guys show up and kill everyone else. Everyone but Kenton, I mean. When he comes to, he meets Chrysala, an enigmatic figure from the other side of the planet. While Kenton and his people have spent their entire lives bathed in sunlight, Chris is a darksider from a place which, because of the rotation of the planet, never sees the sun. Chris is there on a simple academic excursion to learn more about the strange lightsiders and their ways. Or is she? There seems to be more to Chris's story than she lets on. Kenton, now the sole surviving member of the Sandmaster's leadership, must find a way to save the order he worked so hard to join from being disbanded by the complacent bureaucrats who obviously have never read a Sanderson novel and can't see that something will go horribly wrong in part two. <laughs> And that about gets that us was, up to speed. That was, that was pretty well done. You know, I'm I, pretty impressed. I, I, I have to admit, I got about halfway through this reading, and I realized that I, I, I was going to have to write one of these, and I had no idea what I was going to write. I was like, wait, what's happened up till now? I didn't know. I had to really, you know, stop and think about, oh gosh, what have I just read? Because it, it was really confusing. And part of that is, I should let everybody in on this, uh, this is the first time I've ever read cover to cover an entire graphic novel. And this is only a third of a graphic novel. Really? Yeah. I've dipped into some in the past, you know, as we've talked about a few things on the podcast. But they're just not erudite enough for you? Uh, it's just not what I'm used to. <laughs> but yes, I am far too intelligent. I know. I, um, I'm out of my depth with I, the words being used in this I, podcast I, I, this I was week. looking forward to that, to that <laughs> statement. I'm far too intelligent for this. So <laughs> we're good. We're good. We're off to a good start. No, I mean, when we it, when we first uh, got into some of the Star Wars comics, you mm -hmm. know, after Disney bought Star Wars and we were talking about that in prep for episode seven, I picked up some of those and I read some of those. But those are single issue, mm -hmm. tiny little things. This is the first time I've ever made a, a real effort to make my way through a story in this format. Uh, and it was difficult. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I'm not ready to throw in the towel and say, I don't like graphic novels, but, but it was tough. I, I think there's a learning curve. You have to figure out how they flow, how to best read them and manage the words with the images at the same time. Graphic and, novels are not novels. A, they're not novels, but they're also not, um, they're not absent the they're not absent their own intellectual challenges you have to understand you have to understand the the medium in order for them to really start to make sense ryan what did you think of white sand um i had a now, well let me ask you this first you got the novel by email right yes it, i have the novelization i have not had a chance to finish it yet okay but um, you have started it but yes i have started it there and uh understandably it was not published for a reason um, it's not, I mean, I'm not saying that it's terrible, but it's just not rough. as polished. It's very rough. Yeah. Um, and I can see why, uh, he feels that this story lends well to a visual storytelling. Um, it's really hard to describe sand. Interestingly, um, 
it's as, rough. It's as, coarse. Of course, as as it gets, everywhere. It gets everywhere. As three individuals who have spent much of our lives in a desert environment and probably spent way too much time in the sand dunes because any time in the sand dunes can be too much time. I think all of us appreciate. Haven't you ever been out to the sand dunes? Yeah, but I freaking love the sand. Who doesn't love the sand dunes? I, I love the sand dunes, but it can be enough after about 20 minutes and then I'm ready to go home again. Whatever you say, man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I maybe I just don't have the right toys. I think this story, I, I'll tell you, after reading this the first time and the second time and touching the novelization <laughs> a little bit, I feel like this story wasn't ready yet to come out, but it had to come out for, for cosmic purposes. Yeah. Um, and I'm willing to live with that. I feel like we might have lost out on what had a little more potential. Um, and it could just I, be, it could just be, this is, again, this is part one of three this is where the exposition lies and so this is why when you're in the middle of a battle sequence and you're describing how a mage's the sand mage's powers work i'm sitting here going oh gosh this is not no 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 this is not how this works you know you wouldn't necessarily have this exact same setup in a novel in a novel or something like that yeah you know as long as it's not ready because i think i might agree with you i i haven't thought about that but i think i'd probably agree with you but as long as it's going to be not ready at least it was not ready in a format that I don't hold as near and dear to my heart. <laughs> if it had been a subpar novel, I think I'd be pretty upset. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think I agree. It, it it felt shoddy somehow. The the setup and the storytelling. And it could be just a matter of because of the the methodology or the medium in which it's being presented. They've had you know they have to tighten things up. You know I mean even though they're doing three parts to this turning a novel into a graphic novel is not an easy task and there's so much that you have to consolidate and use basically speaking moments and thought moments as that's your dialogue there you don't get the you know you can show in one panel what is sometimes described in an entire page so there's there's a trade-off um between the novelization and this styling uh that i don't know i i think I was exp- I'm ex- I'm used to being pulled in and having more depth in the, what I'm reading with Sanderson's work. This styling did not allow me to get that depth because I don't feel it was there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it could be, like I said, because it's they're having to sh- tighten things up to fit inside of the graphic novel medium. Well, I'm not sure that that's I'm not sure that that's the case. Um, and and I'll and, and part of the reason that I that I would say that is that I think that um, the the there are there are opportunities in other graphic novels i've 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 read more graphic novels probably than than the others that are well not than others that outside of here but I, i've read a lot of graphic novels um i own <laughs> that was several a better way to say that that was a better way to say that huh um uh i started reading graphic novels back in the early 80s uh before they were when they were uh, primarily compendiums of of episodic issues books. yeah um and they and watched them as they started to make a change in their format some of it has to do i think with the comfort level that the publisher has with taking up space to to transfer information. Um, I'm not. I, I would love to see Brandon's notes that were given and the conversations that were had between Brandon and the artist and the editor and the uh, and the editor in chief about what they would or would not do with this particular story. Because I think that there are places that choices were made to 
um, to not give some of the insights that Brandon normally does as part of his storytelling process that they just said, nope, we're going to skip them and we'll find other places or other times where it's okay to hint at those, but we're not going to do that because we don't believe that the audience will care. And that's, I think the real, the real piece is that not that it wasn't fleshed out and not maybe even that Brandon didn't have ideas about what he wanted to put together as those conversations occurred, but that the publisher said, this is not being published for Sanderson fans as much as it's being published as a way of being able to expose other people to an, to a story that we think can make us money in the graphic format. And so I think as a result, there are choices that are made um, and that were made that have everything to do with the target market for graphic novels versus the target market for Sanderson readers. I haven't thought of it that way. I'm definitely coming at it from my perspective, which is a huge Sanderson fan. And I think about all the other Sanderson fans that we interact with uh, from the pod or not just on the podcast, but who listen in. And yeah, maybe that's a valuable thing to think about. We're not the only ones who are going to read this. No, And in fact, I think one of the things to remember is that uh, while this is designed for exposition of issues that are Cosmere related. And so for us as, as, a, as a podcast, as Cosmere fans, as Sanderson fans, it's going to be something that we consume. I don't think that Dynamite intended at any point in time that this would be a, a, Sanderson, uh, a Sanderson love fest. I think this is more of an opportunity to get more work out there and, and perhaps get more people interested in Dynamite as a uh, as a going concern in the comic world. Because let's be you honest. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Absolutely. When when we start talking about the comic book world, you have two. You have Marvel and DC, and then you have all the rest. And every one of those all the rests are trying to figure out what their hook is going to be into the, into the world of comic books. Dark Horse for a long time uh, had Star Wars. They sold that back to Marvel and DC, so, you know, they're looking at exploring some of their other properties. Uh, Dynamite, which has some decent properties, some decent, uh, some decent pieces in the comic book world, um, I think this is their effort to find a real hook. Um, and, and I think that they have every possibility of making this work really well. There are some great elements, um, some great ingredients in, that make this a really well-made graphic novel for those who consume that kind of literature. All right. Uh, Ryan, do you have other thoughts you want to share? And let me, let me direct you toward the positive side of things. What did you like about it? Uh, well, first thing that I really liked is as someone who has delved in fairly deeply into the Cosmere, um, I can see how this fits there and Mm -hmm. I can see, like, I don't feel like this is extraneous or that there's any sort of stretch it's very apparent um, the workings of investiture in here, mm-hmm. um, which that that's great. I'm interested to see how this set of abilities would affect other areas because we've seen this a little bit with uh, Hoyd being able to manipulate sand the to tell the storytelling in in the Stormlight Archive. But uh, that was in uh, that was in Warbreaker. Oh yeah, he's telling the story in the Court of the Gods. That's right. Oh, that's Sorry. right. That's right. Anyway, right. I just didn't want the. I didn't want the emails. Yeah. Someone out there, smoke veins coming ones. out the side of their head. <laughs> no, it's Warbreaker. You know, you know. We've already said a couple uh, not not so nice things about it. You know, there's already people who are just you know, <laughs> whose heads have exploded. Hey, I, I think this this should also this is for those who are listening having that moment. We rarely have come down hard on a Sanderson anything. This yeah, is the first one, time, I, second time I think. Oh yeah, we came down fairly hard on Calamity. That's true, but. 
Yeah, but anyway. Yeah, we're yeah. pleased with that. So, like, like I said, for this one, I loved it. It's just fit into the Cosmere. I'm kind of curious as to where a sand mage would sit in the power structure. Now, we've talked about having, we were going to do like a... Uh, a, a ranking? A ranking system or a, a, <laughs> one of those like... A bracket. Mar- a bracket, that's what the word I was looking for. Bracket of the Fight different the groups inside the Cosmere who would win. And I'm curious as to where a sand mage would sit because as of right now, I'm not really... I don't, I don't really know how to gauge their power. We don't know I, what they do. Yeah, we don't really except know Except for they do. floating around on sand. And they can control ribbons of sand. And in my mind, I'm sitting here going, okay, that's kind of like the push and pull maybe of a Mistborn, but that doesn't... I, I don't get one of my away. one of my first questions because I was thinking about the world hopper thing too. What if they go somewhere else, and or what if they just go to the other side of the freaking planet? Does this work on dirt, or does it have to be a specific consistency of sand for this power to work? Yeah, that's you know what I mean. Because the white sand, tur- yeah, it's got to be the white sand because it turns black after its there you go. Energy, energy has, has been, been used. used. And the other thing, all, we do know one thing about this, and and he he mentions this early on. Uh, during his during his exploration, that sand can be used to explode things, it can be used to shield things. They talked a little bit about that. the the one thing that the one thing that a graphic novel does really well is give you images of things that you've always wanted to see. Um, I I still want to see what I I want to see a depiction of Vin right before the the battle that she has with all the steel inquisitors i want to see what that looks like from an artist's conception i have it in my head um and and unfortunately in in most cases graphic novels uh typically fall short um but but at least it gives you some images um in this one there's there's some really cool images uh early on right as they become attacked by um the how do you pronounce oh they're the christians is that what they're calling them? Because <laughs> that's what I was coming up with. No, but the Kurtzians or the Kurtzians, Kurtzians, I, I don't know. But if you say Christians, <laughs> we're going to be in trouble. <laughs> um, uh, but but we get that we get the uh, we get the scene where they are where the all of the Sandmasters are being attacked. And uh, uh, are you looking up the panel number? Yeah, it's in book two, panel something or other. Um, a, a, a a fun scene to show. Um, what this could look like. The thing that I the thing that I was disappointed with, or that I was that I was somewhat disappointed in, is that in in my case I don't have the novelization, and so all I'm seeing is what the artist thinks it's supposed to look like. I wish I had known the rest of Brandon's ideas of what it was supposed to look like, so I could. So compare. You just wanted more depth. Mm-hmm. Because all you get is the one. You, we only get really the one view, and then. Everybody's dead. You know, I, um, I, speaking of the art, I like and I dislike the art style in this. I, I think uh, Julius Gopez, Gopez uh, is talented. I, mm-hmm. It looks very cool. But I noticed a difference in which scenes I enjoyed. And mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the scenes where it's things are slowed down. Uh, there's a lot of exposition going on. Uh, I open it up to this page when uh, Chris finally shows up for the first time yeah. and uh, walks through the, the tent flaps there. It's a, a great picture. That that kind of thing I really like. But when we get to the action scenes, it's so chaotic. Uh, it's the, the style that he uses to draw this is so imprecise that it uh, didn't give me the detail I was looking for in the action scenes. Yep. I couldn't figure out what was going on. And again, I 
like I said earlier, this is one of my first uh, experiences with this uh, type of, with this medium. And so I'm willing to say that could just be me not with not enough experience to understand how to read this sort of thing. And that's probably a piece of it. Right. But I would, I would suggest that I've seen other graphic novels that have had this level of portrayal, this level of storytelling that have been more uh, effectively rendered. So yeah. I think he, I, th I think there's uh, an element of uh, the artist learning the medium. I think there's an element of Brandon uh, understanding the medium and, and deciding which pieces are critical enough for him mm -hmm. to say, I need to see this in more detail uh, because I'm sure that he retains tremendous creative control over this particular project. Um, and, and it's, this is his first foray into this medium as well. And so, and, and as he said in his foreword, you know, this is, this is a chance to have something come out that he would not be able to get out in, uh, in, an, in another way. Um, and so I think it's a chance for him to start seeing this. I think also, um, Sorry, I'm going well, let me, way let off. Me, let me so go I'll back just real quick. I, I wanted to give one specific, and it was uh, during that scene you talked about where the Christians attack and... Uh, Christians. I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and... Does that make these guys... Never mind. Everybody dies, <laughs> uh, except, what's his name, Kenton. But anyway, there's the, the part at the very end when uh, I think it's Kenton's father who yes. just goes uh, Super Saiyan yep. and kills everybody or something. I... But that kind of thing, I was like, oh, wait, who was that? Was that his father? What did he do? Why, how did he affect those around him? Why does he have all the arrows in him now? Did he draw them all to him? Uh, what's going on? And like you said, like you said, Todd, that we had that one frame yeah. to tell the entire story. And I didn't, I didn't get it. Nope. So anyway. Nope. And that's, that is a, that is a drawback to this kind of medium. Mm-hmm. Um, unless the publisher is willing to spend the time and the money, the pages to get that in there, to put that in. And again, I, 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 I have to believe that dynamite knows enough of what they're looking at as far as their target market for graphic novels that they said, you know what, we could probably insert these extra three, four panes. No one's going to care. Let's just, let's, let's trim it because now it becomes, um, I, 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 I think it becomes uh, very much a question about what they think is uh, publishable and consumable as much as it becomes something about the story. So just for clarification purposes as to what happens in that moment, you have to actually really study the art. It's not ideally, it's not made very apparent, but if you look there, there's this, this main frame where a main panel where you see the army and there's three tiers of waves coming. Oh. It's right after he does his whole, ah, super yep. Saiyan, super Saiyan moment. Sure. If you follow that, and this is actually one thing, if you have, if you do this through the comiXology uh, app, or if you do it through Kindle or whatever, there's actually a, there's this great setup where you can actually, it'll, it will take you frame by frame. Yep. Rather than looking at the whole page, you just mm. tap, it'll take you through frame by frame. Um, but you can actually go through if you watch the the tight frames. He's just blasted the sand out so heavily and so hard in these waves that it is literally buried everyone and kind of sandblasted everyone. And that's how Kenton ends up buried underneath it. Ah, okay, I'm looking at it now. That makes some sense. Because you can see he, he's slowly getting buried in the following frames. And then it gets darker and darker. And you're hearing the heartbeat, heartbeat. And yep. then it just goes black. Um, and then you move on to the next chapter. So... 
and again, this is it's it's a limitation of the medium, but it's also an experience of the medium of getting used to what graphic novels, what you have to look for in a graphic novel, and what they're going to leave out. Um, I think we, I just personally, we've hit the medium pretty hard here. And I think general consensus is that it's okay, but it's not, yeah. this doesn't seem like the best fit or a wrong fit either. But I do want to talk a little bit about the writing itself. Sure. The storyline, the concept here, the what happens inside this story. Uh, because I feel like, and again, this could just be exposition. We're in part one and it could get more so. But I feel like there's a whole lot of stuff in the air that's, I'm trying to find how consequential it is. You know, the most consequential thing that's happened by the end of this, other than all the people dying, um, is that the profession is going to be wiped out. They're going to dissolve it. Right. Which means what? Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I guess I just figured then you don't get to do that job anymore you know, but then they're not getting about tax exile and it's confusing yeah and they're gonna it's gonna they're gonna basically breed out the ability so it doesn't exist anymore like i don't i don't feel the weight of fear that this should carry with me if someone came mm-hmm. in and said we're gonna round up all the mistborn and we're gonna exile them to somewhere else and breed out their the ability you know kind of like they did with the terraceman um we're gonna breed out this ability like but knowing what I know about the world of Mistborn, how big of a loss that would be as of right now. I don't feel like this world is a, really that big of a loss with it, especially considering there's an entire side of this world, this dark side that we're getting a little piece of with Chris yeah. Um, yeah. there, that I'm sitting here going, why does this matter? What is going on in this storyline that I should care about? She's looking for a weapon that her fiancé who died, died. I'm going to put that in quotes. Oh, a weapon? Yeah. Ah. Yeah, okay. She's looking for a weapon. <laughs> I did not get that. She's looking for a weapon because he was looking for a weapon. He was looking for the Sandmasters to become that weapon is what it is kind of intimated at. I, he was looking for the Sandmasters that they were going to point him to the weapon. Something like that, yeah, which leads me to question, well, first of all, A, is he dead? And B, is he someone else in the Cosmere that is now somewhere else? Oh, Hoyd. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. So Hoyd would be her fiance? Could have been. Huh. Trying to get some, he's always grabbing relics or important things. I th- that is not by any means a a. <laughs> is, is that a prediction? I'll throw that as a possible prediction there. Wow. Um, the other reason why is because it had the reason why I'm a little more inclined to say that is because we also know that Chris is the person in the Cosmere with the most knowledge about the Cosmere. Right. Chris and Bayon are the ones who wrote the Yars Arcanum. But the, I'm assuming this story takes place before all that. They haven't. Them. Although they did say at the very beginning when they first show up, he's like, who are you guys? He says, well, we're from, we've, we've traveled a long way. Mm-hmm. And that made me think, well, you know, a long way could just be the other side of the planet or. Yeah, I don't know, chronologically speaking, if they, where they are in the process. They're on a scientific expedition. I don't know if this is the beginning of it, if this right. is, they've been on it for a while. And that's why the, they're all, you know, they're able to speak. You know, they have their linguist and everyone else who's able to speak the different things and understand. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. But back to the original point of I'm not feeling much consequence other yeah. than you yeah. know, there's a betrayal story, and by the time we're on the there's the betrayal of solving the betrayal, the dis, the dissolution, the di- yeah, dissolution. yeah, dissolution of this of the DM. My big word for the day. Nice. The dissolution of the DM, and then 
Chris's search for the weapon and discovery of the Sand Mage. So I did not get the weapon thing at all, and that could just be my idiocy showing through. I, I didn't catch it's that. It's a single frame. Okay. It's a single frame in the book. Uh, yep. And then I also didn't understand that there was a betrayal until well after that scene. There, there's an... There's an I was there's, like, oh, these guys showed up and killed everybody. That sucks. And then later on in the in the story, it's like, oh, and it was probably this dude that betrayed us all. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I and I'm he's the only one who didn't drink. And I'm gonna make the prediction that he's not the, the he's not the guy that's doing the betraying. But that's just that's just me. Partly because I partly because I've you know Sanderson. I know Sanderson well enough to know that that's not going to be the case. But also because there's a there's a piece of the of the mechanics that. Uh, that Kenton's friend calls into question. Hey, wait a minute! How many times was that thing refilled? Um, mm-hmm. You know. And here's the here's another thing that typically Brandon Sanderson does through all of his books. He keeps introducing characters in the exposition stage. We get introduced to lots, of, and we and this one is no different. And I I I think it takes until the end of this book one before we see all of the primary characters that we're going to be working with. We're going to be working with Kentick. Uh, Kenton, Kenton, we're going to be working with A's, and we're going to be working with um, Anik. Is it Anik, the, the name of his friend? Huh? The redhead guy? Oh, no, Eric. 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 That was going to be a wealthy merchant. Um, so I, I, I think that we're looking at... Um, I think that we're that we're looking finally at the three main... The, the yeah, three yeah, main yeah. people that we're going to be looking at, as, as well as, obviously, Bayon and Chris, but... I... Oh. I think you're probably right we've seen all the characters that we're gonna see at like, least uh, in, a, in a main capacity but i don't think that there's a lot of room for it not to be this drial character uh who betrayed everybody mm-hmm. i as i when i got to the end of this i went holy crap there's that was it you know this is part one of three seem you know if it was part one of six then there's a lot of story left to go but I just don't see there being enough room left in the story. If I'm to, right, we've also been already introduced to the true well, sure, I organizer mean, I get of that. the betrayal. But I guess I just mean there's we've talked about the lack of depth in a lot of ways, and I think character depth is one of those. Uh, there's not a lot of character depth going on just because of the space they're given. Right. And so I, I, I would be a little bit disappointed where I would normally be pleased if he wasn't it. Like we don't have a lot of time to develop a new bad guy. My my inclination is that we are probably I, I sit actually between the two of you there in that I do believe that Dryl is a key element in it in the same way that you know um, oh, the first guy from Alloy of Law. Yeah, it it was he has been sent to execute a plan for someone else. Yes, right? okay, something along those lines uh, because he was aware not to drink. Yes, and. The fact that the reasoning behind it is pretty weak tells me that this is that's just convenience there. Yes. So there's there's going to be someone else that's doing this, and for the way that Sanderson works, it's probably his dad. You know, he blew up in his Super Saiyan moment, full of arrows, and then I think whatever. I, I, I don't know. We'll we'll talk about that huh. when we see when we see book two. Maybe we'll talk about it more. So, uh, anything from this book that you guys are taking away uh, that that you'll think on for the future? And I'm not talking about. Uh, I'm talking philosophically. I'm not talking about just Cosmere stuff. Um, 
Yeah, you know what? I um, the so let me let me depart for just a second away from this book in its in, in by itself and talk a little bit about about the graphic novel and about and about comic books in general. Um, comic books, I I think, are a gateway. Um, I'm not going to say to, a gateway to drug. Heroin, maybe. <laughs> I'm not going to say a gateway drug. I think they're a gateway to literacy. And um, you and Matt Woolley would have a lot to say about that. We've we've chatted about that. I think Matt and I were on a podcast together uh, oh, okay. about two years ago, uh, and we chatted about uh, we, we we chatted about the idea that these are these are a tool uh, to to open people to literacy. I think that um, in in that vein, um, younger readers. Um, and people who appreciate this medium um, will enjoy the things that they see here. Um, but I think that this is a great entry point for um, for younger readers into all of Sanderson's stuff. Now, having said that, Sanderson does some wonderful has some wonderful moments, like he always does, that take me to level three stuff. Um, there's some there's some great conversation that is started. Uh, between, let me see if I can find the bookmark that I had. Um, there's some great conversation that has started about the nature of power um, and about the tendency of the tendency of people uh, that get power to want to keep power um, and to be willing to do anything that it takes to keep that power. More so than I think in just a typical comic book where bad guys are always bad and good guys are always good. Um, and probably less so than in a Brandon Sanderson novel where he spends lots of time laying the seeds for it before the final conversation occurs. But there's still some moments in this that Sanderson takes the time to say, no, you know what? I'm going to talk about some philosophical things too. Let's talk about power. Let's talk about the nature of power. Let's talk about the nature of control of technology and what that does to a people and how we, how we control people by controlling their technology. We have a moment where Chris says, yeah, the, the dynasty, controls gunpowder they control firearms they're not going to be seen anywhere and then as she's walking away from her clandestine meeting uh with a with a dark cider in hiding she notices oh there is a gun there is a pistol uh and the technology has leaked out um i think that's something that can be explored and that will be explored by brandon on a little bit higher level or a little bit deeper level depending on the way you want to look at it in some of the rest of this <laughs> ryan says See, and this is I, yeah. This is where you guys who do not read graphic novels are not willing to say, yeah, there's there's some stuff here. It is designed for a different audience, and because it's designed for a different audience, you have to look at it from that perspective. Yeah. So here's here's my issue with that is that the there are a few moments in here where there is briefly touched on concepts that can become philosophical in nature like you've like you've just talked about um that's from the reader's perspective looking at it and deciding to delve further in there's not much we do have in some of his other books characters exploring philosophy yes you know these different people who are actually taking the time to do that in this one that's not so much the case maybe briefly you know brief mentions or whatever but uh, i feel like uh, that it's it's not enough for me to say, yeah, there's some good philosophical stuff in this for me to take and to contemplate. I just, I, I, I couldn't find it. I because, couldn't find it. <laughs> and, and I, and I would suggest, and I would submit, it's just because you're not used to the, to that. This is not your preferred, um, your preferred medium for uh, obtaining those kinds of things. 
Probably. I, I, I wouldn't disagree with it. So. Uh, there were a couple quotes that I pulled out that, you know, grabbed my attention a little bit. There's the bit where uh, I can't remember who he's talking to. Uh, oh, maybe she's talking to the guy, the Darksider in yes. hiding. And he says, money and information are really quite similar, you know. Both are extremely valuable, but neither would be worth anything if everyone had all, all they, they desired. Wanted, yeah. uh, that's a good little bit to think on. Um, I, and I, I don't want to go into it now because we don't want to make this a three-hour podcast. But uh, and then the other one was when he is arguing with the uh, rather matronly woman from the council that yes. wants to dissolve everything. And he's, she says, no, we're going to break you guys up. And he says, the DM's arrogance is broken. There is nothing to fear from us now. And she says, arrogance will return. Where there is power, there is pride. Yep. Which, first of all, made me think of Cool Runnings. Uh, I see pride. I see power. Yeah, but anyway. I see one bad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it did make me think, uh, you know, about that, the nature of that. And I could go into this whole thing on, uh, was it Acton's thing about power corrupts mm-hmm. absolutely but you know it's not necessarily what he meant this isn't what he meant but it's still but it's still a good conversation still a good conversation to have so the i'm gonna throw this in there just because <laughs> just for kicks and giggles because you are who you are the look the styling of um the sand mages their arrogance their exclusivity everything i was like so did Brandon just write, these are Jedi with sand sabers? <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Because that pretty much, does, if you want, if you are familiar with the Jedi Order of the Old Republic um, and what caused their downfall, that's exactly what these people are. You know, I, I mentioned Tatooine in my intro, and I actually had an entire other intro that was pure Star Wars. <laughs> and I was just like, ah, I don't want to, I don't want to kick a dead horse. Or but of anything. course, Brandon himself says that at the, in the forward, you guys read the right. forward to it, yeah, right? It's one, one part Star Wars, one part, whatever. When he said, I, I was, I was expecting you to bring up Arrakis in this too, because it's, it's, um, uh, the, 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 the creatures that he's dealing with in the very beginning and their allergy to water and very much like the sandworms. I mean, we've, and, and his, his moments, his uh, uh, reflective moment at the beginning where he said, you know, a lot of my earlier stories were very derivative. This shows that there's, that he hasn't spent the time polishing this, that it still has uh, a lot of those elements that he probably would have done differently. But again, for an entry level perspective, for those who consume this type of material, I don't think it's necessary. I think it only becomes necessary if it's made novelization for those who are listening to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're the only ones that are going to say, Brandon, you let us down. Uh, Ryan, Cosmere question for you, Mm -hmm. because you're the Spanish speaker here. Uh, The Sand Masters, they have a title and it's like Mastrell. Mas, Mm -hmm. Mas Mastrell. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I did see the name Trell in there, and it made me think, uh, does this have anything to do with our big Cosmere baddie? Because that's Trell, right? Yeah, Trell, well... As far as we know. Yeah, because Trell is mu- is mentioned in the Wax and Wayne series. Right. Um, Isn't he in the Stormlight as well? Se- second, yes. Uh, Words of Radiance? Yes, Trell is mentioned, but I want to say that um, this is me just trying to pull it out of the back of my head. Um, oh, I can do that. Get me the hammer, Todd. Here you the, go. Hold on. It's trail. Uh, crap. I want to say that it's mentioned by the Ghost Bloods. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think it's the ghost bloods that bring that that are that, but I can't speak with surety. And so, to the five or six of you who are going, no, you're wrong. Um, five, five or six, <laughs> fifty or sixty. I still, I still have difficulty comprehending more than three people listening to our our podcast. <laughs> right. So <laughs> we just, we just imagine we're the only ones who listen to it. Yeah, this will be fun for our ride into work tomorrow. <laughs> listen to ourselves talk. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, so yeah, I don't know that it has there, anything but more I, to do with it. I can't make a connection to it. And that seems a tenuous connection at best. Oh, sure. But you know, there, there have been some lesser connections. I, so <laughs> it is Sanderson after all. Um, do you guys have any final thoughts on this one? I want you guys, I want to know if I missed something or if this is a writing issue or what. So the moment that he loses his power and then he gains it back. Oh yeah. What? And then and then like, what? A hundred frames later, he's like, "I think my father did that for me." It's like, what? Ha- what? What are you talking about? Yeah, because it's he's no longer able to to use it when he's with Chris, which hey, for, for about five minutes. Yeah, which could potentially be. I, I'm not sure if there's maybe they are carrying something with them or whatever that prevents the use right uh but then he gets over and then they have three semi-cliche lines it's like the uh, the grains of sand will only blow where the wind wants them not i i I hear them singing and now i and then they sang for me they sang for me and then he goes he has his super saiyan uh you know i i kind of chalk that up to storytelling needs Mm -hmm. they needed to take a lot of shortcuts because of the medium involved Mm -hmm. and so it's like all right we need this main character to be resilient and stubborn and so he kind of sucks at his job but he makes himself good at it in the beginning right and then you need him to get better at it so at some point he does uh he he gets more ability and then um you need oh shoot what was the other thing i was thinking of uh, what else does that accomplish? That moment. Um, oh shoot! It fled my mind. Oh well. Uh, I really should write these things down. Again, I I I would like to see the conversations between yeah, Sanderson, yeah. the editor, and the writer, or the the artist, because I I think that there's I think that Brandon probably had some some input into what's going on there, and some of that conversation is okay. Fine, Brandon, we'll tell that, but we'll tell it in part two. Right now, we just need to move this forward because we have to. We've only got so many panels before we're done. I have to tell you that that moment of what you just said reminds me of what was one of my favorite series uh, on television until it took a hard right turn into Suck County. Um, <laughs> Heroes, yes, Heroes. <laughs> the character oh. of Peter Petrelli. It was one of those things like we have a villain who can take all these powers and get and basically became immortal, and we have our our hero on the other side who touches people and he's an empath and he takes all these powers and he grows. And then they decided like, well, for, for purposes of keeping this story going, we better make, we can't have two all powerful people at the same time. So they cut him down to only being able to use one power at a time through a stupid trope. And I sat there going, I'm following this story. He's not very good at it. And then all of a sudden he's really good at it. You know, this mastery of three ribbons at once. I'm like, well, you know, and yeah. Then there's there's one frame where he's like, oh well, it's like growing another hand. I'm gonna have to learn to use it. And then in the next frame, he's a master at it. Yeah, it's. I was like, this is too quick. 
too quick for me. You know, I need some explanation, something else. I remembered what it was, the, the third point. By removing his power and then giving it back to him later, it was just a really convenient way to not reveal to Chris too soon that oh, yeah. he was a Sandmaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, so by by doing that, you're shortcutting to a few different yeah, yeah, I can see that. Pieces of story. I can see that. Mm-hmm. And it's, in in one way, it's clever. And in another way, it's kind of frustrating mm-hmm. to have to read. But anyway. One of the things that I'm going to take away from this that I really like, and I think that it, it was probably a good uh, experience for Brandon, is that comic books are basically an advanced form of storyboarding. And so I think that Brandon is getting an experience from this, an opportunity to start thinking through the visuals that he wants to use when Mistborn is turned into a feature film. And so I think that this is, when, when we start looking at it again, looking at it not so much from just the, the self-contained story piece, but from a larger piece of what is this all about for uh, and do for uh, Cosmere storytelling, I think that this is an integral piece in the growth of that. Um, I will say the other thing that I really liked about this um, and that I really like about White Sand uh, as a concept is... Um, the idea of, and Brandon talked about this, uh, I remember in a, in a uh, panel that we went to at Comic-Con, um, where he said that the, the weaknesses are always more interesting than the power sure. and the idea that, um, all of this ability to use sand is based on the sand master's own hydration level that when he becomes dehydrated, he cannot use the sand anymore. And yeah. so, and so I'm in a, in a desert world. Um, I, f- I find that interesting. I find that, um, I find that an, uh, an interesting thing that they're going to approach. I think it also tells us exactly how all of the Sandmasters were, uh, were taken out. I think, I think we're going to find out very quickly and very easily what it was that was in the water. Um, uh, I would like very much to have a sit down chat with an astrophysicist and talk about what the ramifications would be of a planet that rotates this slowly. Because it, it, it must be rotating, mm-hmm. but it's rotating in such a way that it's constantly facing yep. the sun. You know, one side of it is constantly facing the sun. Uh, and it, it that was one thing that took me out of the story a little bit. You know, it's, it's kind of fun to have this fantasy concept of the light side of the planet and the dark side of the planet. But then when I stopped and thought, you know, well, okay, so where did the water come from? Rainfall? How do the clouds work? If the planet isn't rotating and it's not creating any sort of atmospheric forces that way, where, you, I, and I, I'm talking out my rear end right now. I have no idea. Sure. I, but I would like to talk to somebody about that. What would that actually mean? You know, I assume that a planet, a planet with that one feature, that slow rotation would be utterly uninhabitable, but I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, do you guys have we, anything else? We are before? talking about a fantasy universe. Well, I know, I know. But do you guys have anything <laughs> else you want to talk about before final thoughts? Are you good? I'm good. good. So I guess a uh, final thought would be simply: Do you recommend it? Uh, do you want to give it a rating of any kind? You know, out of four, <laughs> out of four swords or whatever we do. I personally, if you are a follower of the Cosmere, this is not that much of an investment to time wise anyway. time wise to get into and say and just to be aware of it so i'm going to say to complete your cosmere library absolutely okay if you are just looking to get to know sanderson's work nope this is not where to start okay unless 
you are a uh, a beginning reader. You are uh, a person who enjoys the graphic novel medium. At which point, I would say this is a great place I, I, to I, explore to to get introduced to Brandon Sanderson, understanding that all the rest of his stuff is going to take you into the novels. But beginning readers, I mean, we've talked about how confusing some of the story points and the character points were in this uh, you've got to be reading even more carefully than i was apparently to get some of the details i just don't know and again i'm a i'm a comic book person from the yeah. day that i was born or from my fifth grade year when or my my fifth my fifth birthday he was wrapped <laughs> todd, in a fifth todd edition was, superman i was i was todd was born a 13 year old boy i almost was um the 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 people who consume graphic novels typically speaking, we'll buy it, we'll read it through first once, then we'll read it carefully, frame by frame, looking for things, and then we'll do it over and over and over again. In the first week that you, that, that typically speaking for a person who consumes graphic novels, that's the reading process. You read it once through to get a feel for the story, you go back through and you reread it and you look for little things uh, to, to inform you and to get excited about for the next, for the next issue that comes yeah, out. Yeah. I think I'm more on Ryan's side of this. Uh, not that there are really two sides there, but I, I just mean I'm more in line with your your thinking. If you yeah, if you're a huge Cosmere nerd, definitely you have to read it. If you're not, if you have just kind of enjoyed some of Sanderson's novels before, but you're not too invested in the larger Cosmere story, don't worry about it. Uh, go find a synopsis online if you care that much uh, and I, just I actually, read about it. I actually think we're all on the same page. I'm just yeah. leaving it open for the fact that there yeah. are... You're emphasizing something else. I'm emphasizing that there are some, probably some people that this would be a great spot to for some of your friends that are not into the, the Cosmere. They're not into Sanderson, but they are into graphic novels. This is a great place to say, check mm -hmm. this out. Once it's been fully fleshed out, once we've got books two and three, we get a chance to see it. Share it with them and say, hey, this is Sanderson. This is what Sanderson does. Yeah. If this is interesting, you need to now pick up Mistborn. Yeah, yeah I can I can see that with that special niche group that's coming from this perspective. Yep. Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, if we're talking beginning readers, and I'm not talking people who are just learning to read, but beginning just starting into fantasy, whatever yeah. that be age-wise, um, I'm actually coming to... I know in the past we've talked about this, uh, you know, Craig's recommended Mistborn and things like that. I'm actually thinking that I'm inclined towards Emperor's Soul as the entry point for someone who is new to fantasy. Hmm. I, which I haven't read yet. And which, we're going to be talking about that, I think, maybe in January. Yeah, it's because Ars Arcanum will come out in like a week and a half, two yep. weeks from uh, now. 17 days. Yep, so Ars Arcanum will come out. That's included in there, so we will go over that one in uh, one of our upcoming episodes. But some of his short stories, I'm actually starting to feel are a little, if someone doesn't want to make the commitment yeah. of a full novel, good place these to are in. fantastic places yeah. to start. Great. Cool. Uh, well, let's wrap it up then, you guys. Um, like Ryan said, we will be covering Arcanum Unbounded. That comes out, I think it's November 25th. Uh, so I think we're going to cover that the second weekend of December or the third i can't remember so yeah second weekend of december uh, so watch out for that one we will be back with that if you have any suggestions uh, for those of you who i know there 
are some in i think britain they have it already it's been released Ooh. and so if you have suggestions say hey read this first or that first talk discuss that let me know you can email me craig at the legendarium podcast.com uh, or uh, hit us up on our website or on facebook we always respond on facebook and twitter so that should do it next week we will be airing the second episode in our robert jordan series uh, the eye of the world we'll finish up that book and get ready for the great hunt next month uh i think that's about it you guys good i'm good cool all right see you all next month or sorry next week we